0: Remember active military men and women who lost their lives defending our country and our freedoms, yes? But traditionally, also on Memorial Day, we remember all those that have gone before us, family members and friends. I know many of you will be visiting uh, cemeteries and, and uh, not only paying respects, but also sharing in, in memories. Um, This last year, we reflected back, um, we said goodbye to four members in our church family, um, and many others that were close to us, but we said goodbye to Sheila Stoopy, to Yvonne Bynum, to Marlon Kelso, and just this last week to Velma Korn. Yet, as I reflect on each one of their lives, I I have to say I'm still filled with joy. Because I knew each one of these individuals. And I knew not only about their lives, but I knew about their great faith. I had the, the, the awesome privilege of celebrating communion with each one of... ...these individuals. And as we celebrated communion together... ...I heard about not only their faith... ...but how they shared in a deep relationship with Jesus... ...how they walked with Him. And so, even as I reflect on these four... ...and so many others... ...that are connected to our church... ...that we said goodbye to... ...I am still filled with joy... ...because I know that we will see them again. It's a promise that Jesus gives to us. And still... ...when we talk about death... ...it's not something that we like to to think about, is it? And often it's not something that we like to talk about... However, there's one thing that is certain. For each and every one of us, that we are one day going to die. That each and every one of us, our earthly life will end someday. We will take our last breath. A woman in our previous church, she said, oh no, pastor, I'm never going to die. I have an arrangement with God. He's coming, Jesus is coming back. That's the arrangement, Anita. um, I love that. But all the same, one day we will take our final earthly breath and we will take our first eternal breath in the presence of Jesus. Amen? And yet still death is uncomfortable for us. The first chapters of Genesis tell us the reason for our death. Why death exists, exists. That God is a living God. Do you believe that? Say amen if you believe that, friends. God is a living God that God has made us in His image, in His likeness, to live. But Genesis Chapter 3 tells us that we sinned against God, that we committed a sin against God, that we turned our back on Him. And when we did so, we separated ourselves from God. We severed that relationship that we had with God. We disconnected ourselves and distanced ourselves from God. And now there's that sin wedge that exists between us and God. And that is why death exists because we are severed, we are disconnected from the source of our life that is God and the result is that now after Adam and Eve we are all born spiritually dead, we are born spiritually separated from God, ultimately then we will face a physical death as well, the Bible says that this is because of Sin. Had sin not entered our world, there would be no death. Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 16. God told Adam, If you sin, you will die. It's a clear cause and effect. You sin, you will die. Then the serpent comes along and deceives Adam and Eve, right? Many of you know this account. The serpent comes along, tells Eve, no, God lied to you. You certainly won't die. God just doesn't want you to experience all of the life that is out there. He doesn't want you to have all the knowledge that he has. So go ahead. Go against the will of God. Everything's going to be okay. And in that moment that they were deceived, in that moment they went against the will of God, they sinned against God, they severed that relationship, and death, as God promised, entered our world. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is, what's the word? Death. The wages of sin is death. Paul says that sin results in death. Just as God said, sin would result in death death. It causes death. Yet, what I find odd is... even in the church... those of us who know this... we know that the the word of God... in the very beginning to Adam and Eve... said sin results in death. We know that as Paul writes about... the wages of sin are death... the consequences of sin are death. We know that as James, the brother of Jesus writes... our life is but a mist... here today and gone tomorrow... Even though we know all of that, we still wrestle with death. We oppose death. We run from death. We hate death, don't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes that death is our enemy. Death is our enemy. Why is that? Well, let me tell you. As image bearers of God. Those who share in the likeness of God. Something in us longs for life. Amen? So today we're going to go back to chapter 1 of Philippians. We've been here for the last three weeks. We're going to be here for another, hold on to your pew, six weeks. But it's going to be good. And we're talking about joy. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 18. You can turn in one of the Pew Bibles in your Bible if you brought it. Extra points if you brought it. Or if you're following along on the Bible app, it's right there for you really really easy laid out. Philippians chapter 1 verse 18. Philippians is a letter written by the apostle Paul, who at this point finds himself in prison, he finds himself not only in prison but facing a death sentence. He knows that the the, the clock on his earthly life is ticking away. He knows that at any moment they can come into this place where they are holding him prisoner, take him away, where they will then carry out his death sentence. Yet, even as he faces this death sentence, he writes to his friends in the church at Philippi. And he gives us incredible insight into death. Here's what he writes. Verse 18, the second half of verse 18, rather. He writes this word, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice those who have been around here these last few weeks you know that philippians is a book all about joy and paul just in every circumstance he says i'm going to be joyful i'm going to be joyful because it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter what circumstances this world brings my way i'm going to continue to rejoice yes and i will continue to rejoice verse 19 for i know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul, who had suffered greatly in the name of Jesus. From the first moment he encountered Jesus, he began to suffer. He was stricken blind. And then Paul himself, we covered these these last couple of weeks, he faced Trial after trial, circumstance after circumstance that brought great suffering into his life. And the end of this is that he is a prisoner in Rome, sentenced to death. But Paul writes that he has no fear of death because he has full faith in Jesus. I wonder, friends, if we can say the same thing. I have no fear of death because I have full faith in Jesus. I know where my eternity lies. I don't have to be afraid if this next breath is my last breath because I know what waits me on the other side of eternity. You see, the only way that we can rejoice in the face of death is to know that Jesus' death was our death. To know that Jesus' life is your assurance of eternal life. To have that that full confidence, that full faith, that full assurance when Jesus says, I have gone to prepare a place for you and one day I will come back and and, and get you to take you to be with me where I have gone to know that Jesus' words are true. Amen? Therefore, Paul writes, yes. And I will continue to rejoice. I'll get out of prison or I'll face the the death sentence, either way, I will continue to rejoice. Either way, I know that God will deliver me. You see, the reason Paul could have great joy in the midst of death as he faces death is because he knew that no matter what, God was going to win. Amen? Verse 20 then, let's keep reading. I'm getting a little excited today maybe it's the suit I eagerly expect and I hope that I will in no way be ashamed but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether it is by life or by death you see that either way Either way, I'm going to be happy. Either way, I'm going to be joyful. It doesn't matter. For to me, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen to those words again. To live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. To live... Or to die? See, that's the the decision Paul is, is talking about here. What should I choose? Should I choose to keep on living? Or should I choose to go ahead and die? He says, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. How many of us would write these words? Come on, friends. Should I live or should I die? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. Right? He's writing this to his friends. I'm torn between the two, verse 23. For I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. There's so much that I could say about that passage. Um, Just to say, Paul says I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go be with Jesus, which is by far better than coming back and seeing you. Right? Um, Can you imagine saying that to a family member or a friend? Praise the Lord. My wife's heard me say that. I shouldn't care for it, but I probably shouldn't wake up every morning and say that. But, you know... Um, But Paul says, no, I'm confident that I'm going to keep on living because I bring you joy. Now, how many of us can really say that to our family members or friends? Jesus isn't going to take me away yet because I bring you such immense joy in your life, right? I mean, let's be honest. We do a poll around here. Most of us are going to be on that joy sucker rather than the joy giver side. Am I right? Oh, don't, don't say right. Don't point at anybody. That's just wrong. But Paul writes, for us to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be a Christian is not just to, to believe in Jesus and then go to heaven. No, Paul says there's so much more to that, and I think so often we forget that, that middle ground, and that's what Paul is talking about. He says to be a Christian is to believe in Jesus, to believe in Him as your Savior, to submit to Him as your Lord, to live a life that is holy and pleasing and submissive to Jesus Christ, and then die and go to heaven. We cannot forget that, that middle part there when we start facing circumstances that are not pleasing, when we start facing suffering in our life, when people start condemning us and criticizing us, and when there's persecution that, that starts being cast upon us, we cannot forget that that's the Christian life. That's what Jesus promised to us. And he says, but you should be joyful even in the midst of that. Amen? Only amen if you like it. If you believe it. Meditate on these words though. Verse 21. For to me, Paul writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why Paul could say either way. I'm torn between the two. Should I live or should I die? I'm torn between the two. For me, it would be better to go. That would be much, much better. But I know for your sake, I'm going to remain in the body. I'm going to keep on living. To live is Christ. To die is gain. When Paul writes that to live is Christ, what he means is that in this life, we can have a relationship with Christ God with the living God our Lord our savior Jesus Christ that we can have a real true intimate relationship with him where we walk with him and talk with him and know him greatly as a friend not just some far off heavenly being that that, that we have no relational connection to right but if we are a Christian, if you truly want to know Jesus and bear his name, then you have got to enter into that, that intimate relationship with him. I shared this last week. At the moment, I can't think of who, who the author was that wrote it. He said, a lot of Christians have just enough religion to make them miserable. The truth is most of us in the church have just enough religion to make us miserable. What, that, what he meant by that is we have enough rules, religious rules in our life to say you can't do that, you can't do this, you must do this, you can't do that, you should do this. So we try to follow all these rules and yet we haven't really plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to actually do those things and to have joy in the midst of our life. And so he says... A lot of Christians have enough religion, just enough religion, to make them miserable. I pray that's not you. But Paul writes, to live is Christ. That we can have a life with Jesus. That we can have a life like Jesus. That we can have a life for Jesus. That we can have a life through Jesus. And a life that ends with Jesus. Paul writes that as long as we are alive, God still has something for us to accomplish, amen, which means that if you're alive today, show of hands, who is, praise the the Lord, you're still awake, if you're still alive today, God has something for you to accomplish, there's people to love. Scriptures to read, sins to be repented of, truths to be learned, prayers to be prayed, tithes to be given, others to be forgiven. There are opportunities for lost people to meet Jesus. God is not done with you yet. Amen? And so Paul writes, to live is Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, every breath, that we take is valuable. Every breath that we take should be purposeful and meaningful to us. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now although there's separation between the the soul and the body upon our earthly death there is no separation between our soul and our Savior. Amen? this relationship that we have with Jesus is perfected on the other side of eternity. Which means that when you show up in the... the, the... I almost said heavenly gates, I don't know why... When you show up in eternity and Christ's glory becomes your glory, that perfects the relationship that you now have with Him. And His perfection shines down upon us and becomes our perfection. Are you looking forward to that day, friends? I pray so, but I didn't hear much response, which really scares me. Ultimately, what this means then is that Christ's death is our death. What this means is that his burial is our burial. His ascension becomes our ascension. That he is now preparing a place for us and he will come back one day and call us to be with him. Are you looking forward to that day? And so this relationship with Jesus continues in the next life, in our eternal life upon our earthly death. So we ask this morning, I ask this morning, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you belong with Jesus? Do you rejoice with Jesus? Is your life hidden in Jesus? Are you anticipating Jesus' return? I want to read a passage of Scripture this morning from the book of Romans, another letter that Paul wrote. But just this reminder, there are two absolutely unavoidable facts which we all share in. The first you've already heard, and that is each one of us are going to die someday. The second is this, every one of us will stand before Jesus in eternity. No matter where your relationship with him is today, no matter where your relationship with him is when you take your last breath here on earth, each and every one of us are going to die, and every one of us will stand before Jesus in eternity you will either stand before him as a friend or a foe you will stand before him and you will receive a blessing or a curse you will stand before him and you will either receive salvation or a condemnation and so I say again friends each one of us are going to die one day every one of us are going to stand before Jesus in eternity. And I pray that that's not too morbid whenever I say these things. It is the reality. Jesus spoke about it time and time again. And his plea is the same plea that I have this morning and that is for each and every one of you individually that you would receive Jesus as your Savior if you never have that you will receive Jesus as your Savior and that is the one that that saves you from the penalty of sin so that when you show up on the other side of eternity he will give you your salvation this gift that has been promised to you But you must first accept Jesus as your Savior. He is the only way to God. Amen? Amen. Try I say, receive Jesus as your Savior and begin to submit to Him as your Lord. That means live the life that is pleasing to Jesus. Stop sinning. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's a daily struggle for so many of us to just stop purposefully committing sin after sin after sin. Paul struggled in the same way. What a wretched man am I, he said. Who will save me? Thanks be to Jesus Christ, who has given me eternal life and salvation. And so what I want to do this morning... Before I read this passage from from Romans, we're going to put it up on the screen in a minute. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come as as I read this passage, and then after I read it, I'm going to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, God, that you would once again come into this place, fill this place. Jesus, come and meet with us. I pray through your Spirit that you would use the words, Lord, of the Apostle Paul, that he has written, Lord, in, in Romans, Lord. That you would use them today, Lord, to show us the truth, salvation, and eternal life that awaits us. Amen. Romans 5, the translation is the Living Bible. It says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. His sin spread death throughout all the world. So everything began to grow old and die for all sin. This one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. But this one man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's mercy. Adam's one sin brought the penalty of death to many, while Christ freely takes away many sins and gives glorious life instead. This sin of one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes men right with God so that they can live. Adam caused many to be sinners because he disobeyed God. And Christ caused many to be acceptable to God because He obeyed. Father God, I pray today for all these individuals, Lord, that are here. I pray, Jesus, for individuals that have not, Lord, given their heart, their life over to You begin to submit, Lord, themselves to you as the ruler of their life, that is the Lord of their life, the one that sets the rules and lays out the path for us to follow. I pray for each and every individual, Lord, that is in this place today, listening to this message today, that has not received you, Jesus, as their Savior, and received, God, the promise of salvation. Jesus, I pray today that your Holy Spirit will once again fall. I pray, God, that that you would work in hearts and lives, Jesus. I pray, God, not only for individuals, but, God, for family units, Jesus, to be transformed. I pray, God, today for children and grandchildren. I pray, Jesus, for, for neighbors and co-workers. I pray, God, for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to fall throughout this community in a new way, God. I pray, God, for an increase of joy, even as we face the realities of this life. God, give us, I pray, the same outlook, Lord, that that Paul wrote about in Philippians. That to live is Christ, but to die is gain. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do something a little different to close our time together this morning. Today, on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, um, I'll say it's it's been a difficult week for many in our church. Um, Just to say, many in our church are facing burdens, struggles right now. Three families in our church are grieving the loss of a loved one just this week. And so we grieve, we mourn, but in the same way, we can rejoice. We can rejoice because we have the promise of eternity. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, our Comforter. We can rejoice because we know that Jesus is with us through His Spirit, yes? So today as we close, we're going to do something different. You see these candles laying out here on the altar. We're going to give you the opportunity to, to come up. <clears throat> as the music is played, we're going to give you the opportunity to come up and to light a candle in memory of a loved one. Maybe it's someone that you've lost recently from your family. Maybe it's someone from that's uh, just a memory of, of someone from your past. And today you want to uh, remember them. You want to celebrate The eternity that Jesus has given to us and promised to us. And so this morning as we close, we're going to invite you to come up as the music is playing.